to the book of Acts this morning. As Brother Rod says, the book of action. The book of action. And it is the book of action. And, um, you know, I, 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 I always do. I always do and I always have preached a message on Pentecost Sunday on the Holy Spirit. But from various texts, not necessarily from Acts chapter 2. And so earlier in the week, I was thinking, well, it was Monday, as a matter of fact, and I was thinking about the service Sunday. I always think, you know, we just got, got done having church Sunday, and here it's Monday, and I'm already thinking about next week, praying about the service and praying about the message for this week, knowing it was Pentecost Sunday and asking the Lord what what text should I preach on? You know, there's a lot of different passages on the Holy Spirit, a lot of different uh, directions you could go preaching on the Holy Spirit. But you know, the Lord, I was sitting on my back deck, uh, sitting at the patio table, reading the scripture, meditating on the Lord, and God just led me right to Acts chapter two. And I thought, well, what, what better passage to preach on Pentecost Sunday than to preach from Acts chapter 2. And so go with me to Acts chapter 2. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. And uh, uh, I'm going to read several verses. Not going to read the whole chapter. The whole chapter, you, we, we, we may touch on some different um, verses throughout this chapter and probably will. But there's 47 verses in the chapter. So take time. I think, you know, a good thing to do on this Pentecost Sunday after you go home and you eat a bite and go home, get your Bible out and read Acts chapter 2 and, and uh, about Pentecost Sunday, all right? But uh, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1, and I hope you have your Bibles today. Everybody got your Bible, got your sword today. So open your Bible to that passage, Acts 2 and verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's very important. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. Of course, there was 120 in this particular setting. Those tongues of fire set upon each, a, 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 a visible tongue of fire upon each one of those 120. And verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were all there, of course, for the Feast of Passover and Pentecost. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his, notice this, own language. So what they were speaking were languages. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? 
Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them speak in our own languages the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. You, always, you still got both of those groups today. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Are we in the last days, by the way? Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my Spirit in those days, and they shall Prophesy. I'll stop right there. I want to talk to you this morning on the power of Pentecost. The power of Pentecost. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity again to stand uh, behind this pulpit uh, and declare and the Word of God to break the bread of life to your people. I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for the direction of the Holy Spirit that you will speak through me today, that you will... Give me the thoughts, give me the words, give me the direction, give me the clarity that I need to say what you've laid upon my heart today. And I pray you will apply this message to every heart, every life here, that every one of us here in this sanctuary will be filled and refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Pentecost, uh, when we talk of Pentecost, people don't understand a lot of times what Pentecost is, but Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, was one of the seven feast days in Israel. The uh, word Pentecost, do you all know what Pentecost means? It means 50 or 50th, and Pentecost was, the, was 50 days from the Passover. It was a celebration and it was a feast that was held 50 days from the Passover. It was also, Pentecost was also the very day that the, the law was given on Mount Sinai. It was 50 days from the, from the Passover in Egypt when the blood of that lamb was slain and placed on the doorpost and God delivered um, his people from Egyptian bondage. It was 50 days from that Passover until they arrived at Mount Sinai and Moses received the law at Mount Sinai. 
And so all of the feasts of Israel, now we're, we're not, we don't have to now in the new covenant, we don't, we're not to, to, to observe the feast days. We don't have to observe those feast days. All of those feast days that were given in the Old Testament were all types of the Lord Jesus Christ and he fulfilled every one of those types of every one of those feasts. I mean, there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus is, fills that type because he was uh, pure and sinless and lived a pure, sinless, spotless life, which is represented by the unleavened bread. That's why we use unleavened bread in our communion services. It represents the pure, sinless body and life of the Lord Jesus that was sacrificed for us at Calvary. The feast of Passover, of course, um, typified and represented the death of Jesus on the cross. There was the feast of firstfruits that followed Passover, which was a symbol, symbol of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the first fruit of our resurrection. And then following the Feast of First Fruits, as I said, 50 days from Passover, was the Feast of Pentecost. And that feast was fulfilled in the, in the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. The 120 receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. After the Feast of Pentecost came the Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of Trumpets is yet to be fulfilled. Actually, we have fulfilled, the Lord has fulfilled the feast days up until Pentecost. But the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles are three feast days that are yet to be fulfilled um, scripturally. What are, you, what, what are those representing? Well, the Feast of Trumpets, oh, glory to God, the Feast of Trumpets is going to be fulfilled very soon because the Feast of Trumpets will be fulfilled. It's a type of the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and then the Lord coming back in his second coming. Then there was the Day of Atonement that also typifies the salvation of all of Israel which will take place at the end of the tribulation period and at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that all of Israel, praise God, the entire Jewish nation shall be saved on the Day of Atonement. Somebody will shout amen right there. And then the, the Feast of Tabernacles is the seventh feast. And that represents, and, and yet in the future, the coming kingdom age when Jesus Christ will reign on this earth for 1,000 years as King of kings and Lord of lords. And there won't be any more riots. And there won't be any more anarchy. And there won't be any more sickness. And there won't be any more death. Praise God, but there will only be peace and there will be righteousness in this earth when Jesus comes to live with us again. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. I know we want peace now and we, we need to be praying for that. We need to be seeking God for that. But ladies and gentlemen, I think we realize that there will not be any true lasting peace until the Prince of Peace comes and sets up his kingdom on this earth and he's going to do that amen 
But the day of Pentecost is what we're focusing on this morning. The day of Pentecost was the day that the church was born. Hallelujah. In that, in that upper room there in Jerusalem or in the temple, wherever they may have been. Some say they were in the upper room. Some say they were just in the temple court there when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But wherever they were, we know that uh, it was the day that the church was born. It was the birthday of the church. So we're celebrating the birthday of the church. I'm so excited we can celebrate the birth of the church. The church has for, for a few weeks had to be closed and had to be shut down. And I pray that will never, ever, ever happen again. But thank God we're celebrating today that there is still a church and it is still alive, hallelujah, in 2020, amen? The day of Pentecost was the birth of the church and also it was the, it was the day, it was on that day that the promised Holy Spirit was given. I believe that this account that we've read in Acts chapter two um, of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the second greatest ha- happening in the history of the world. The first being Calvary, of course. The first being the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. That was the greatest um, event that ever took place in the history of the world. A lot of people may think that there's a lot of great events that happened, but there is no event that has happened that's greater than Jesus Christ dying on the cross, raising from the dead to redeem fallen humanity. The promised Holy Spirit and the birth of the church, I believe, is that second greatest happening in history. And so we celebrate today the day of Pentecost. We celebrate Pentecost not as a denomination. When we talk about a Pentecostal church, or we talk about being Pentecostal, and I always have to give my disclaimer, you know. We're not talking about a denomination. We're not talking about, you know, um, um, uh, being... Uh, in some kind of a a sect or something as being uh, Pentecostal. But when we refer to Pentecost or Pentecostalism or the church being Pentecostal, when we use that term, we're referring to an experience because we still believe today in the power of Pentecost. We still believe today that what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is, is something that is still real today, still for us today, for the church today, and that is still happening in these last days. This was not just a one-time event. This was not just a book of Acts event, but this was, that was an event that took place and that is for every born-again believer today. I still believe in the Pentecostal blessing. We used to sing that old song. Some of you all, uh, older Pentecostal folks will remember it. It's real, it's real. I know it's real. It's that Pentecostal blessing and I know, I know it's real. Nobody can convince me that it's not real because I have been to the upper room. I have received Jesus as Lord and 
I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, amen, just as they were on the day of Pentecost. And I can attest and tell you today, amen, by, by, by biblical authority and by experience that the Pentecostal blessing is real today. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still alive and well and indwells His church today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see, first of all, in Acts chapter 2, the entrance of Pentecost. It was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost had fully come. That day, Feast of Pentecost, began at sundown on that Saturday and went to sundown the next day. This was a Sunday morning about 9 a.m. when the Holy Spirit was poured out in, uh, upon these 120 waiting believers, but they were there waiting for the promise of the Father. Jesus had given them the instruction and Jesus had told them um, before his crucifixion that he was going away, that he would die, he would rise again, and that he would, would, when he got back to the Father, that he would pray the Father and send them another comforter that would be with them. He had told them that. He had promised them that. But then after his resurrection, before his ascension, Jesus appeared to above 500 brethren, Paul said at one time. And the Bible said that he, he told them, those that he appeared to, those that he met with, before his ascension, he said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And so he said, go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And that's what they were doing. They were there to tarry and to wait for the promise of the Father. They didn't know how long they were going to be there. It turned out that it was a 10-day prayer meeting from the time that Jesus sent them. Uh, 40 days, Jesus uh, appeared after his passion for 40 days. Then it was 10 days after his ascension to the uh, day of Pentecost. They didn't know how long they were gonna be there. They didn't know how long they were going to have to wait. They didn't really even know exactly what to expect, but they waited there in prayer and supplication and worship and petition, waiting for the promise that Jesus had told them was coming from the Father that he would send to them. The Bible says in Luke 24, 53, that they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, and I, I, I dealt with this verse in our devotional last Tuesday in prayer meeting. Uh, Acts 1.14 says that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brother. So here was a group that had assembled together in this one place, in one accord, and the Bible says they were in prayer and supplication. The women that had followed Jesus and stayed with him throughout his ministry. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room along with all the others that were there. We don't know how many started out, but we do know that it was down to 120 by the time the day of Pentecost was, had, had fully come. And um, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And they weren't praying, listen, listen, they weren't praying to Mary. 
Mary was praying to Jesus, hallelujah, for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were all there, the Bible said, in one accord, and they continued in prayer and supplication. I'm sure that throughout that 10-day period, I mentioned this on Tuesday, I don't know, I don't know for sure if they stayed there day and night for 10 days. I kindly believe they met there, had prayer meetings throughout the day, went home at night, came back the next day, had prayer meetings waiting for the promise of the Father. But the point is that they continued in prayer. They continued in supplication. They continued in prayer and in worship. They came together and they had a determination. They were all in one accord. They were all in one mind. They were all together in unity, regarding what the Lord Jesus Christ had told them to do. My Lord, I'm telling you what, they were all seeking the same thing. None of them that were there were uninterested. None of them were unconcerned. The ones that were uninterested and unconcerned didn't come back the next day. But those who were determined to receive the promise that Jesus had made to them, the mighty power of the Holy Spirit came back every day and prayed and sought God until the day of Pentecost had fully come and the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out. They were in earnest prayer, continued in prayer, united prayer. They were expectant of what would happen. They didn't understand what was going to take place, not understanding what was going to be, but yet they came expecting. Jesus didn't say that it was going to happen or take place on the day of Pentecost. He didn't say to them, this is what's going to happen, but he said, you just wait there until you're endued with power. I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, if we could get a group of people together that would come together in prayer and supplication and worship and waiting upon the Lord until expecting God to move until I believe God would give us another Pentecost. We have prayed for it. We have sang about it but it's time today that the church get busy seeking God. Hallelujah for more of the power of God. I know we don't have to wait or tarry to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit because he's already been given. But I tell you what we do, we, 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 tarry, we, we get filled with the Holy Ghost, then we think our tarrying days are over. I'm gonna tell you, when you get the Holy Ghost, that should be the time you really start seeking God and waiting upon God for more of his power and more of his spirit in your life. The church needs a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Amen? Hallelujah. So we see the entrance of Pentecost. They were there in one place with one desire and one purpose. But then we see the experience of Pentecost. That's what I want. I want the experience of Pentecost. And the experience of Pentecost is seen in verse number two and three. And I love those first two words, and suddenly, mm. and suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and set upon each of them. Suddenly, on that 10th day, 
of their prayer meeting on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, suddenly there was a sound that came from heaven, and it was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. That word suddenly means unexpectedly. Now, now, now remember, they've been coming every day for 10, this is their 10th day of being there. How long? These were the ones. And sometimes the Lord maybe withholds and holds off on some blessings, waiting to see just how earnest we are to continue pressing in and, 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 and believing Him for the blessing. But all of a sudden, unexpectedly, as I said, they didn't know what to expect, uh, but they didn't expect what happened. There was something that came suddenly, unexpectedly. Amen. All, of, all at once, just out of nowhere, a, rush, a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind. You know what? I, I tell you what, I, I, I wish we could say, what I'm wanting to see today, we need some suddenlies and some unexpected things to happen in the, in the church. And I'm not talking about off the wall stuff or foolishness or anything like that, but we need some, some moves of God. You know, we get, we, get, we get to the place where we just anticipate and expect how a church service is going to go. We know that at this time we're gonna open the service and we're gonna have a few songs and we're gonna take the offering. And then we're gonna give the announcements and then the, Brother Hensley's gonna get up there and scream and holler and spit and spud for a while and then we're going to uh, have a little altar service then we're going to go home and we, we get uh, so to speak I think we can get in a rut how many knows what I'm talking about somebody described what a rut was one time years ago I heard they said a rut is a grave with both ends knocked out and that's kindly what a rut is. I don't, I don't want to get in a rut. I don't want a, a Abundant Life Family Church to be in a rut. I, I think that God wants to do some great things and some unexpected things and some sudden things in our midst. We need some suddenlies to take place in the church, amen? We need some suddenlies. What are you talking about, Brother Rick? I'm talking about some, some, some sinners suddenly getting saved. Some believers suddenly getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. Somebody that needs healing suddenly, just being healed unexpectedly, glory to God. Somebody that's been praying and believing and trusting the Lord to move and to heal them. Then suddenly and unexpectedly, bam, the, the power of the Lord touches their life and they're healed and they're saved and they're delivered and they're blessed. Oh God, we need to see God do some sudden things in the church, some incredible things, some mighty things. He said, if you call on me, I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. I'm ready for some great things and some mighty things in the midst of the darkness of this nation and this world. God, do it again. Send the wind of the Holy Ghost suddenly upon your church again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That symbolized, that word wind is actually the, the word translated breath. It means respiration. Or it means breath. It's, it was literally the wind that blew in that upper room that day was the literal breath of God. Jesus had met with the disciples a few days before. Actually, it was the Sunday night 
You can read about it in John 20. This is a good plug for Sunday night church. It was on a Sunday night that Jesus showed up in John 20 and appeared to the disciples who were in lockdown. <laughs> they had issued them their own self a stay-at-home order and they were hiding out for fear of the Jews and they were in lockdown. They were in quarantine. On a Sunday night, Jesus showed up and broke all the rules and breathed on them. <laughs> Praise God. He just showed up and, and he showed them the nail prints in his hands. And the Bible said that they were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And he went, and he breathed on them. And when he breathed on them, he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He was, it, was, it was a prophetic event, letting them know this was what was going to happen. The breath of God was going to come into them. It was the same breath that, that was breathed into Adam when God formed his body out of the dust of the ground. And he lay there lifeless. But God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Life, and he became a living soul. There's a lot of dead Christians. There's a lot of dead churches. There's a lot of dead denominations. There's a lot of dead organizations. And what we need is the breath and the wind of Almighty God to breathe upon us and give us life again. I was praying, I believe it was this morning, in prayer, and I said, Lord, I, I was reminded of that church of Sardis, I believe it is, in the book of Revelation. And the one thing that Jesus said about Sardis was he said, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. And I thought that describes the majority of Pentecostal churches today. The name implies we live. The name implies that we have life. But do we possess the life? Because I'm gonna, the life that we need, because I can tell you, without the breath of God, without the Holy Spirit, there is no life within the church. Without the Holy Spirit, it's formality. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just a gathering. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just a meeting. Amen. We have got to have the Holy Spirit. God intends for us to be alive. Amen. And Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. That was the same breath that breathed, that blew into that upper room. The same wind that blew in Ezekiel's boneyard and brought those dead bones to life. The wind of God blew and brought them to life. The wind blew in the upper room and gave them life and birthed the church. And the wind of God needs to blow again. The wind of God needs to blow again. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, help us. The Holy Spirit is the life of the church and I've got to hurry. It was a it was not just a, oh, it was not just a little gentle breeze. But the Bible described it as a rushing mighty wind. That word mighty in the Greek is the word that, that it means violent. 
It was a violent wind. What do you mean by that? That there was a violence in the wind. It was a violent force. And I believe that the Holy Spirit and I, you know, God is opposed to violence, but I believe that what that is representing is that the Holy Spirit came and indwelt the church and baptized believers and that the Holy Spirit is to be a violent force today against the powers of darkness and against the powers of hell. Are you listening to me? That, that mighty rushing wind represented the power of God. And I still believe today that if we want to be victorious over sin and victorious over hell and victorious over Satan, that we're going to have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-baptized, empowered church in these last days. What is wrong with the church today? Why have we lost our influence today? Because the majority of the churches no longer preach the cross and they no longer preach of the power of the Holy Spirit and we are no different than anybody else if we don't have the wind of God that is breathed upon us. We've got to have the Holy Ghost. We have our, our conferences and our church growth seminars. I have yet to be in one of those. Get me started on this. Now I've done lost track. I'm chasing rabbits. But I've yet to be in one of those even in my own organization that has had a class on prayer, that has had a class on the power of the Holy Spirit, that has had a class on the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. It's all how we can market to get people, more people in. Well, you can get a bunch of dead people in, but they need to be born again. They need to know about Jesus. They need to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not just trying to fill seats in this, in this sanctuary. I'm, I'm trying to fill seats with people that will, give, that will sense and feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit when they come into this building, we'll get born again and filled with the power of Almighty God and go out from these four walls and be a force in the community baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Sound from heaven is a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit filled the house, but not just the house where these 120 were, but He came to fill and to occupy each and every believer, to make each and every one a personal temple of the Holy Spirit, of the indwelling of the Spirit of God, to reside inside, in the hearts the lives, the bodies of every born-again child of God. This house, we've said it before, this, this building or sanctuary is not, it's, the, it's not the church you are. God does not live or dwell in a building anymore. But when that veil, 
when that veil was rent at the death of Jesus and that Holy of Holies was exposed, it was saying God's not living in there anymore, but now he's going to come out of that holy place and make up his residence, take up residence inside the body of the believer. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God lives and dwells in you. The Holy Spirit came and filled that house. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, he can fill this building, he can fill this house, but the building and the temple that he wants to fill today is you. He wants to fill you. He wants to live in you today. That rushing, mighty rushing wind filled the house where they were sitting. Now here we go. Here, everybody's fine up until now. Because here's where the rubber meets the road, and here's where there's controversy between denominations. And I'm not here to, I'm not here to, to um, give you my opinion. I'm here to give you the Bible, what the Word of God says. And then it says, though, something happened. It said that but King James says cloven tongues, like as a fire. The New King James says divided tongues, like as a fire set upon each and every one of them. It was not, it was not, he was not talking about a forked tongue. Are you listening to me? Not a forked tongue, but a divided tongue. And it refers to, there was a division. It, what it refers to was the tongues of fire appeared. This was a visible manifestation. Now there were two manifestations here that occurred on the day of Pentecost that did not occur after the day of Pentecost. And those two visible manifestations was there was not another visible manifestation of the rushing mighty wind, nor was there a visible manifestation of the appearance of tongues of fire over the heads of those who received the Holy Spirit thereafter. But here on the day of Pentecost, the tongue of fire, a a tongue of fire, sat upon each and every one. There's 120 or so here, whatever this morning, that would mean in this manifestation that the wind filled, the wind blew, and then all of a sudden they saw a tongue of fire, a flame, a flame of fire right over the head of each and every one that was there in that, in that room that day. It was a direct fulfillment of the prophecy of John the Baptist. John had prophesied concerning Jesus and John said that uh, I indeed baptize you with water but there's coming one after me who's mightier than I. I can't even carry his sandals. He's so great. He said he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. This was a direct, a direct fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus had said the same thing to the disciples on, in that first chapter, right before he went away. He said that, that John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That is what is taking place. Those tongues of fire were distributed over the head of that entire group 
Each individual had a tongue of fire over their head. And there's something about the wind and the fire. These two visible manifestations that took place that day represent two great works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Because we've done seen, we've already mentioned that the wind was the power of God, but fire represents the purity of God and the cleansing. Amen. There's something about fire that it cleanses. It purifies. Come on, somebody. That wind and that fire together represent two great works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And those works are a work of power and a work of purity. The problem we have within the modern day church is the church wants the power without the purity. But I'm here to tell you today, you can't have the power without the purity. He comes with fire. He comes to burn out the dross. He comes to clean up your life. He comes to help you be more like Jesus. He comes to purify you. The first name of the Holy Spirit is holy. And that's what he promotes in your life and mine is a holy, pure, sanctified walk with Jesus. Purity and power, we need them both. Come on, somebody. But then there's the, the enjoyment of the Holy Spirit in verse 4. They've experienced the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You can enjoy the Holy Spirit. How many believes the church should be a place of joy? Amen. Should be a place of joy and happiness. You need to leave here rejoicing. You may come in sad, but when the Holy Ghost moves, you leave glad. Amen. We don't want nobody to leave mad. We want you to leave glad. But the Bible says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice they were all filled. Everyone there was filled. Not just the apostles. Not just the 11 apostles of Christ. But everyone that was there, 120 total, all were filled including Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was a Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. They may cut me off of Facebook now. I don't know. But everyone there was filled. See, in the Old Testament, I'm bringing this to a close. Because I want us to to pray this morning. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit operated different in the Old Testament than He does in the New. Because under the old covenant, the sin debt had not yet been paid. They had the Day of Atonement every year, you know, where the blood, uh, where the sins of the nation were atoned for, but they had to redo it every year. They had the morning and evening sacrifices every day. But the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats, Paul said in Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. So they had to keep repeating it. But Jesus came and offered one sacrifice and shed His blood. 
and redeemed us and took the sin away and paid in full, paid in full the sin debt. And so under the old covenant, because the sin debt hadn't been paid, the Holy Spirit did not live and dwell and abide within them. The Holy Spirit would move upon certain individuals at certain times to perform certain tasks and certain deeds. You read about it in the book of Judges when God would call one of those judges to deliver Israel from, from their enemies. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. It said of Samson that the Holy Spirit moved him at times. So it wasn't, it wasn't continuous. It wasn't constant. Gideon, all of these guys, David, the prophets... You know, they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit when the Lord had a word or had a job or had a task for them to complete. And that's how he operated in the old covenant. But now he fills any and all who will come to him. Anybody, everybody. And, and I don't, you know, listen, when you, somebody said, well, do you get the Holy Spirit? I thought you got the Holy Spirit when you get saved. You do get the Holy Spirit residing in you, the spirit of adoption when you get saved. But this experience here is a, is a subsequent, it's an experience subsequent to salvation. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that empowers, endues us with power from on high. I don't have time. That's a whole nother message, but it's proven in the Word of God. And everyone who is saved, everyone who has made Jesus the Lord of their life is a candidate for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And every one of us, listen, needs this endowment of power in our lives. Somebody said, do, you, do I have to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? You know what? No, you don't. The blood of Jesus gets you ready for heaven. But if you're planning on, and if you're planning on, if you're planning on dying today or very soon, you're ready to go. You're washed in the blood. Uh, that's fine. You'll make heaven your home. But if you're planning on living in this old sin-cursed world very long, you're going to need the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life. Every believer needs the Holy Ghost. Salvation, the blood of Jesus gets you ready for the sweet by and by. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost prepares you for the nasty here and now. We need it. You turn your Fox News on or CNN or CBS or whatever you want and you see what's going on in this nation and it should make the church cry out and say, give us more of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit. We sit around nonchalant and unconcerned and lackadaisical and, and say, I can take it or leave it. That's the problem. Everyone there received. He feels now, he, every believer can come who thirsts and desires can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no favoritism. Listen to me. There's no favoritism. There's no racism when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? Everybody, everybody's on the same level and the ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
There is no discrimination. Peter went on in his sermon to say that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon our sons and daughters and handmaidens and young and old and servants and handmaidens, rich and poor. Doesn't matter if you're male, female, rich, poor, black, white, red, yellow, doesn't matter, amen. God's not looking at the color of our skin. God's not looking, amen, whether we're a man or a woman. God is looking to see, has the blood of Jesus been applied to our heart? And if it has, then we're a candidate to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God, everybody's on the same level ground. Let me, I gotta close, I gotta close, but I gotta get to this. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says this in verse 4 that they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. This was predicted by Isaiah in Isaiah 28 and 11. And this was predicted also by Jesus in Mark chapter 16 verse 7 where he said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall speak with new tongues. So it was a prophecy being fulfilled. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and all 120 began to speak with other tongues. And that word tongues is the word that we get the term glossolalia. And that's what the sophisticated people call speaking in tongues, glossolalia. Um, But they were languages. And that word tongues means languages. They were languages that these 120 were speaking that were unknown to them. They had not learned them. They were not bilingual these, these in that upper room that day. The language was unknown to the speaker, but it was nevertheless a language that was known somewhere in the world. And the point that I'm making here is that this speaking in these languages was a miracle of speech. It was not gibberish. It was not confusion. It was not uh, babble. Are you listening to me? It was a miracle of speech. God help those who, who talk about the Pentecostal movement and speaking with tongues and referring to it as being of the devil. I would be afraid to say that. It's very obvious and very clear right here that they spoke in these languages as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance or as the Spirit of God prompted them. There's no, listen, you don't have to worry about it. If you're asking God to fill you with the genuine Holy Spirit and you're His child, you're not going to get something wrong. God, Jesus said that if you, if a father, if a son would ask a father for bread, he's not going to give him a stone. If he asked his father for a fish, he's not going to give him a snake. If he asks for an egg, he's not going to give him a scorpion. And the scorpion and the snake represents evil spirits. And he said if you're asking God for good things, then he's not going to give you evil things. And he said how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? I'm feeling something here today. I feel like I'm getting refilled already. 
So these languages were utterances given by the Holy Spirit. And we know they were languages because the, the, those that gathered around that were from those other nations that had come to Jerusalem for the Passover heard them speak in their own language. And they said, what does this mean? They were amazed, but they were perplexed. And they said, we don't understand. What is this? Then there was those that, those were the ones that were curious and were inquisitive and wanted to know more about it and what it was all about. But then you had that other group that said, ha, they're all drunk. They mocked and they scoffed. You have the same groups today. You have the ones that are wanting to know about the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you have those that just reject and scoff and mock. And they said they're drunk. But Peter said, I'm going to tell you something. Peter got up. You know, the, the, the teaching's been given that the tongues were so that they could preach in other languages so that they could hear them preach. Peter didn't preach in tongues when he got up to preach. He got up to preach and he spoke in the language that they all understood. He spoke in his native language. And he told him, he said, men and brethren, he said, these are not drunk as you think they are. They're not drunk as you suppose. Seeing it's just the third hour of the day, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel saying in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh we're in those last days we're in that time it began on the day of Pentecost and we're still in those last days today and ladies and gentlemen I'm here to tell you that God Almighty has not stopped pouring out his spirit he's still pouring it out he will pour it out he's looking for some people that are thirsty, that desire the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That was the initial physical evidence that they had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because that wasn't the only time that happened. Worship team, make your way back. I gotta, I gotta close. I need two hours. Who in the world ever got us into the tradition that church is over at 12? I don't know where that came from. The wind, the tongues of fire were two physical manifestations that were not repeated. But the speaking in tongues was. Every other place in the book of Acts that they received this same gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. When Peter went to the house of Cornelius and carried the gospel to the Gentiles, and he was preaching to them, and the Bible says in Acts 10, 44-46, that as he was preaching while he yet spake, the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word and they all were filled and they all began, they all began to speak with tongues and to magnify God. And the Bible says that when Peter was giving this account to the 
to the church board, so to speak, because he got called in to meet the board because he had went and preached to people that he shouldn't have been preaching to. And when he got called in, he gave the account of what happened and he said, God gave them the Holy Spirit the same as he did us in the beginning for we heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Paul went to Ephesus some 20 years after Pentecost and met with a group of 12 disciples there and asked them the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we don't know that there is a Holy Spirit. And he instructed them about the Holy Spirit. Paul, the apostle, laid hands upon those 12, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Amen. There's five instances in the book of Acts where, they, where, where individuals received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And three of those five plainly says they, they spoke with tongues. The other two imply that they did. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 9. Doesn't say in Acts 9 that he spoke in tongues. But in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, covet to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. We need the operation, the demonstration, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the church today. But it has to be decent and in order. They were not drunk, he said, as you suppose, but they were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There was so much joy and exuberance in the life of that 120 that day that everybody thought surely nobody could be this happy at nine o'clock in the morning unless they'd been drinking something. They had a hold of a wine bottle, glory to God, that only comes from glory. They were drinking the new wine, all right, but it wasn't Ripple and it wasn't uh, Boone's Farm Strawberry and it wasn't Mad Dog 2020, but they had got a hold of a wine bottle from heaven, praise God, that has no ill effects, that will get you full and, 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 and joyful and happy and excited for Jesus Christ. And we all need that infilling of the Holy Spirit today. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about nonsense. I'm not talking about sensationalism or emotionalism. Pentecost and Pentecostals have gotten the bad rap. I'm talking about true Pentecostals because there has been and there still is today a bunch of fake foolishness going on out here that goes under the name of Pentecostal that is not Pentecostal. You can, see the, you can see the YouTube videos of it. People just out of their minds. Writhing around on the floor like a snake. Shaking uncontrollably. Holy laughter. <laughs> laughing uncontrollably. One church went for five straight weeks without any preaching because all the pastor could do was laugh. That, 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 that's not the Holy Spirit. Laughing is not going to build you up like the preaching of the Word will. I'm going to close my notes. I'm done. The Bible said one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So if, 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 if 
I've heard people say the Holy Spirit made me do this or made me do that. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I believe in joyful Pentecostal services. I believe in praising the Lord out loud. I believe in shouting and worshiping. We've even done Jericho marches and I've even had the Holy Spirit hit me and I've run around the church before. Took a couple of laps. Well, is that the Holy Spirit? Well, sure. Elijah ran, outran Ahab's chariot with the Spirit of God on him. But anything that possesses you that you have no control over is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never take away your control. A lady asked me one time, she was, she was desiring the, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. and She said, well, if I come up there and, and, and to be prayed for, to receive the Holy Spirit, will I fall on the floor? I said, well, you don't have to. She had the idea that the Holy Spirit was going to make her fall on the floor. You can be so overpowered by the Spirit of God that you can't stand. I agree, the Bible bears that out. But you don't have to fall. You don't have to shake. Amen? You don't have to do anything out of the ordinary other than when you're filled, you will speak with tongues. And you may get over exuberant and you may shout. And I believe in clapping hands and shouting and praising God. I believe in dancing in the Spirit. I wish we'd see a little more of that. Remember those old... Pentecostal ladies, mamas used to dance in the spirit. Wasn't anything wrong with that. It was a joyful time. It was manifestations of the spirit. God, give us another Pentecost that will empower us, that will change us, that will send us out into this world to win souls for Jesus. Peter got up after that anointing after that baptism and preached the first Pentecostal sermon. 3,000 were saved. Baptized that day. 3,000. The Bible says at the end of that chapter of Acts that God, the Lord added to the church daily. You know, there's an evangelism that should accompany Pentecost. Winning souls. Building the kingdom of God. That's what true Pentecost is all about. Woo! Praise God. Let's stand this morning. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not sure how I want to do this altar call, but I'm going to have you to come, that you that will, to come if you want to kneel in the altar, if you want to stand up here as much as possible, as the sign said. Maintain your distance. You know, one state, I think it was California, is going to allow them to have church today, but said the preacher, the pastor, had to wear a mask. Can you see me preaching with a mask on? I don't see how that would happen. But I'm going to ask you to come this morning. If you've never received if you're saved and but you've never received the baptism in the holy spirit god wants to give you the gift 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit today and empower you. If you have, as a Christian, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I can tell you what, God wants you to get a fresh feeling and a fresh anointing here this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. That is the will of God. So I'm going to ask you to come as our worship team plays and make your way to the front if you want to kneel, if you want to stand, and then I'm going to pray over every one of us corporately today, okay? But you come and you begin to worship the Lord and begin to thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit and begin to ask God today to fill you with His Spirit, to fill you with the, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, with the power from on high, you've never received to give you that initial baptism if you have to give you a refilling of the Holy Spirit today. Oh God fill us. You know nobody, I, I believe in laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit but nobody has to lay hands on you to be filled or to be refilled. Five years ago on Pentecost Sunday Sister Charlotte Allen was standing up here after most everybody had 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 drifted away after the altar service and all of a sudden, suddenly, suddenly, unexpectedly, God filled her with the Holy Spirit standing right here. He can do it to you and for you today. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for this congregation this morning. I pray for every one of your children, every one of your people. Lord, I'm asking you, I need a refilling of the Holy Spirit every single day. And I pray for these here today. Those who have not received the Holy Spirit, fill them today. Give them a desire to be filled. Baptize each and every one with the Holy Ghost today. Those who are filled, give us a refilling today. A fresh anointing. Anoint us with fresh oil. Give us more of your power. We need your power. Lord, send the power of God into this church and into our lives. Fill us with your spirit. Anoint us with your Holy Spirit. God, empower us to do the work that you've called us to do. Let us be endued with power from on high today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, it's the promise of the Holy Spirit. You've promised it to us, the promise of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we receive. Now receive. You've asked Him. Now receive. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive an infilling. I receive the power of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost today. Oh, let's sing. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Come on. Continue to praise Him. Continue to worship Him this morning. Hallelujah.
Give us power. Give us those times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Make us the effective witnesses that we need to be in these last days that your church will have an impact, have an influence, that your church will make a difference today. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Empower us. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We thank you. Well, can you just raise your hands and thank him for his presence? Thank him for his Holy Spirit today. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We worship you today.